Well, good morning, Soul family. My name is Jordan, and I'm the adult ministry pastor here at Seoul. And it is great to be with you again this weekend as we continue in our series throughout the book of 1 Corinthians entitled From a Friend. And uh, I'm just really looking forward to getting into the passage today. But before we do that, I just want to do a quick recap of kind of uh, where we've been and uh, what we've been looking at the last couple of weeks. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Jerry was in chapter 8 talking about the issue of uh, meat that was sacrificed to idols and uh, the weaker brother and uh, not hurting someone's conscience for the sake of eating and all those kinds of issues. We, we looked at that in depth. And last week we were in chapter 9 and we started through that chapter where the Apostle Paul is really in defense mode, where he's having to defend his apostleship and his right to receive payment uh, for his work in the ministry. And yet, the Apostle Paul made no use of those rights. In fact, he laid them down. And he laid them down to protect the integrity of the message and those who would hear his message, that being the gospel. And so in order to protect the integrity of the gospel to those in the church in Corinth and to remove any obstacle that might be there from people hearing the message, he laid down his rights and in this case, it was his, his right to receive payment for his work. And so this morning, we're going to pick up from where we left off last week, and we're going to continue in chapter 9 as Paul begins to talk about adaptability and removing barriers when it comes to reaching those with the message of Jesus. And so let's start talking about that. Let's talk about adaptability for a few minutes this morning. Is it easy for you or is it difficult for you to adapt to new circumstances? Do you like change? Perhaps you're one of those people who likes the idea of change, but implementing it really drives you crazy. You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes, you know, change makes me excited, and I'm, I'm, I'm just ready for it, and I want to go through with it. And then there's other times where the idea of change sounds great, but implementing it is a whole other story altogether. And then there's other times where I just drag my feet through it, right? I'm just stuck in my old ways, and uh, changing something is just really a tough thing. And I think that um, for each of us, we all face different parts in our life where maybe each of these things is true. But the truth is, is that there's many times in our lives where we will need to adapt. Think about getting a new job. If you get a new job, you are going to have to learn the culture of a new workplace. You're going to have new co-workers. You're going to have to meet new people. There's going to be a way that things are done in that new workplace that are maybe different than what you did where you worked before that. And that can cause some tension, that can cause some stress, that can cause you to have to develop some new habits and perhaps some new methods and ways of doing things. And sometimes that's stressful. I think anyone who started a new job can agree with that and can recognize that sometimes that is difficult. How about graduating high school? I'm speaking to the grade 12 students who just graduated this year. You see, you were leaving what was once your normal and are now entering into a new phase of life, right? Where perhaps you're going to enter into a new, a, a new job. Maybe uh, you're going to begin to study. Maybe you're going to travel. Who knows uh, what the future brings. But either way, you're not going to be going back to school next year, and that normal is no longer the same. You're going to have to adapt to a new situation. And sometimes leaving what is normal can cause stress, and I think it can be difficult on us. And the same is true when we engage with people who are different than us. People who don't think like you, who don't live like you do, and have different values, who have different belief systems, 
How can you adapt and familiarize yourself with the interests and values of another person without losing yours? and be able to love and be able to befriend and be able to care for somebody else. You see, this is what the Apostle Paul is going to be talking about in these next four verses that we're going to read this morning. And so let's go to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verses 19 to 23. The Apostle Paul says this, Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I'm not free from God's law, but under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this all for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessing. And so the Apostle Paul is getting into a new section here, and we're going to look at these four verses this morning, and he starts by proclaiming his freedom. His freedom is never in question here. This, this, this isn't something that he's uh, lost or that he's worried that he doesn't have. He is free in Christ, and he's not bound by cultural restrictions, at least not in his own conscience. However, and here's where the Apostle Paul's going to shift his thinking. His goal isn't simply to have freedom and tout it like, you know, freedom's all that matters and begin to rub his, his freedoms in people's faces. That's not what he's trying to do here. But there's something greater for the Apostle Paul than simply knowing that he is free. And that is to win as many as possible. To reach as many as possible with the message of Jesus. And therefore, he says, in order to see this happen, he has made himself a slave to everyone. And when we hear him speak this way, definitely we hear the echo of Jesus' words in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, where Jesus said, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And so when the Apostle Paul serves others and becomes a slave to everyone, this is not because people have him under their control. It's not because he's bowing down to the world's set of standards. He still remains free in Christ. But out of love for others out, and their opportunity to encounter Jesus and hear the gospel message, he sacrifices his freedom in these situations for the goal that people would be saved. You see, the Apostle Paul's lifestyle was really governed by his calling to win others for Jesus. For him to live was to live for Jesus, was to share the gospel so that others would hear it, that others would hear the message and be saved themselves. And this had a profound effect on how he lived, on how he made decisions, on how he dealt with, in this case, even his freedoms. I like how one commentator phrased it this past week in my study about the role of evangelism in the life of a Christian and in the life of the church. He said this, he said, if we forget to share the gospel, then we have lost sight of the thrust of biblical Christianity. If we forget to share the gospel, we've lost sight of the thrust of biblical 
Christiana. You see, sharing the gospel was never just thrown in as something optional or something extra in following Jesus. But it is something that we must share, we must speak of, we must live this message. If it changed your life, if the gospel message changed your life, then obviously it can change someone else's life too. And you want others to have that same experience. And the Apostle Paul hasn't lost sight of this. In fact, it drives him here. This is the motivating factor behind much of what he does. It was of most importance. And I think sometimes in our culture, we have this tendency to maybe shy away from sharing the gospel, and we feel timid to do so. And I think there's many reasons why perhaps that might be true. Perhaps we're afraid to say the wrong thing sometimes. Perhaps we're afraid that we might offend somebody. And so rather than, you know, going there, because that could be a little bit scary sometimes, we just sort of shy away and, uh, and, and, and we don't do it. Perhaps we haven't thought purpose, purposefully, sorry, about how we can share the, the message with a specific individual or with specific people in ways that they can understand it, in ways that uh, they would comprehend what we're trying to say. Maybe we're afraid that people won't want to hear it, and so we shy away, you know, thinking to ourselves that we can't change other people's opinions, we can't change their perspectives, and so, so we shy away from it, and we don't share it. You know, in a sense, that's kind of true. We cannot change people, but Jesus can. And that's something that we need to remember and that we've already talked about in the book of Corinthians, that we are not responsible for the results. We're responsible to be faithful in sharing the gospel. In, sec in, sorry, in 1 Corinthians 3, chapter, verse 7, it says, So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. And so as a believer, each of us has a role to play here. And sometimes we act like the results are something that we determine and make happen. But I want to remind you this morning that as you share the gospel, you plant, as the scripture says, you water. But if a person is to experience change, if they're ex to experience genuine growth in their life, well, then God is in charge of that. That's his work. Not mine. Not yours. And so don't stress yourself out thinking that it's your job to change someone or that you have to change anyone. God has things under control. Our job is simply to be faithful with the message and sharing it. And this is what this whole section that we're reading about today in 1 Corinthians 9 is all about. It's really about how to evangelize and how to share the gospel with other people and not put an obstacle in the way before them. You know, think about the many ways in which you have laid down your rights or preferences in order to convenience or honor others in our society. I think we do it more often than we think. Here's a couple quick examples. If you were someone who smoked cigarettes or smoked cigars, and you go to visit someone who you know is a non-smoker, and you walk into their house, into their nice living room that smells of, you know, some sort of nice air freshener, and you were just to pull out your pack, put it in your mouth, and light up in front of them, how many of you think that you might possibly annoy the owner of that home? 
I think there's a good chance that they'll be a little bit offended. I think there's a good chance that they're not going to approve of you doing something like that. You're probably going to refrain from doing that in that area and go to an appropriate area, probably outside or in your vehicle, or just put the, the cigarettes away while you're there, right? It's not something that you would do. You don't do it because you know you can cause offense. You know that you can cause a, a, a barrier to say. Give you another example. Perhaps you're one of these people who wears shoes around your house and you never take your shoes off and when you go downstairs you wear your shoes and when you run in the house you wear your shoes and you have no problem wearing shoes in your house and you end up at someone's house that you're about to visit and you walk in and the carpets are white and pristine like you know that look where you could tell that this thing doesn't just get vacuumed uh, once a week this thing's getting vacuumed on the daily right you're not going to likely walk in there with your shoes on full of dirt and full of mud and walk on that carpet you're probably going to take them off you're probably going to respect your friend's home or the person you're visiting and not insist that you do things the way you're used to or the way you do things at home. You're probably going to honor them and take your shoes off at the door. And I think a lot of the time we will see that for the sake of culture and respect, we're willing to become something that we're not and we do it all the time in order to respect and in order to love others. You know, and in some cases, in order to just really avoid awkward situations that can occur when we do these things. You know, and if we do it with shoes, then why couldn't we do it with all things? How about something relevant to us today? And I poked at this last week. I'm going to poke at it for a second. How about during this COVID-19 time, if you were asked to wear a mask, right? If it comes to that in our current culture where it becomes mandated, Okay, I know I'm going to get in trouble now as I start talking about this with some people. But if it becomes recommended, then why not in order to love those around me? Why would I have to fight something that is simply in and of itself meant to benefit other people, even if I don't myself see that need or benefit? Okay, I'll leave that one there, okay? But what the Apostle Paul is saying, what he's getting at when he says, become all things to all people is that Paul saw himself as an ambassador of Christ and he was willing to set aside his rights and liberties. Paul is not saying that whenever I'm around church people, I become like church people or I act like church people. And whenever I'm around heathens, well then, you know, I act like a heathen. That's not what he's saying here. You see, Paul is simply saying I am sensitive to the cultural hang-ups of, of those to whom I am trying to minister to. I'll repeat that again. I am sensitive to the cultural hang-ups of those whom I am trying to minister to. In other words, the Apostle Paul would not walk up to a Jewish person eating a big piece of pork and then try to share the gospel with them. That would not be kosher. That would actually be offensive to that person. It would be an immediate stumbling block that could have easily been removed by restricting his freedom here. Did Paul have the freedom to eat pork chops? Yes, of course he did. There's no denying that. But yet he would not do that because in this particular case, doing so could shut down an opportunity to minister to somebody in the culture. And sometimes I think what we find to be very appropriate can be very offensive to another individual. 
And if we push that, which somebody else finds offensive, and we offend that person, what we have essentially done is we've closed the door. We have shut the door. We have shut down any possible opportunity that we may have to minister Christ to them. And so if you know there's a person who has this big hang-up about whatever, you just don't need to go there. You just don't need to start there. You may even skirt around the issue if you have to because it is much more important that you love and minister and get the gospel to this individual than it is that you stand up for your own rights or your own freedoms in this case. Whatever, a hang, whatever hang up a person might have, right or wrong, cannot compare to the value of them receiving the gospel and eternal life. Can't compare. And so Paul is adamant, and he's correct when he says we're free as Christians. Let's never have to argue about that. We're free, but for the sake of love, we serve all. In this book, he says, I'm a slave to all, is how he put it. Just because we're free doesn't mean we always have to exercise our freedoms. You see, Paul's old way of thinking and living for God as a religious Pharisee was that the only way to get good with God was to perfectly and completely obey the whole law. All 613 commandments. And even some that the people made up along the way, if we're going to be honest about it. And his living, in that sense, was driven out of fear. It was driven by fear. Now, don't get me wrong. There is this thing called the fear of the Lord, which is a good thing. You could read about it in the book of Proverbs, but that's different than the fear of trying to keep 613 laws in this case. When Paul met Jesus, he had a radical transformation, and he saw that he was free from the demands of the law, but was now under the law of Christ, and his motivation changed. It changed from living by fear to living from love, knowing the love of God and allowing that love to flow out of his life unto others. He was set free from the law. He followed God not out of fear's sake, but out of love's sake, and love is a more powerful motivator than fear is. Love is a more powerful motivator than fear. You see, in the book of Leviticus, chapter 11, we're given this instruction not to eat pork. And that was one of the, one of the commands under the Old Covenant. And then in Mark chapter 7, Jesus says, there is nothing that we can't eat that is, you know, in and of itself sinful. So we got freedom, you know, from this law of food. It's not what goes into a person that makes them unclean. It's what comes out. Because what goes into a person goes into the stomach and then leaves the body, but doesn't affect the heart. And so as a Christian, I am free to eat pork. I can do it, but just because I'm free to do it doesn't mean I'm going to show up and bring a plate of bacon to a cedar supper, okay? Or to a bar mitzvah. For love's sake, I'm going to respect your culture, and for this party and for this celebration, it's fine. I don't have to eat any bacon. Don't have to do it. You know, Wendy's is open. I'll go through the drive-thru on the way home, grab a Baconator, be satisfied, be, be great. Good enough. But for the sake of love, and in this case, the message of Jesus, we would rather choose to love people. And there's no place for a, 
well, you know, I'm free, and my way is the best, and if you don't like it, well, then tough kind of attitude. To those who genuinely care about others coming to know Jesus, will you give up your freedom for the sake of something greater? For the sake of love, so that others might be saved. Writing from a prison in Philippians, the Apostle Paul says this in chapter 2. He says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. You see, the life of following Jesus does not consist in, 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 in clinging to our rights and clinging to our, our freedoms, as great as they are, and we celebrate them. But the life of Jesus is about putting others first and considering just how much other people need to hear the gospel message. And so the Apostle Paul says, become all things to all people that some might be saved. In verse 20, I'm going to read it again. He says to the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but I'm under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. And to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. And so what the Apostle Paul is talking about is he's talking about how he chooses to relate to people in a way that can open up good conversation. He's not suggesting that you start living with multiple identities, okay? Or that you are constantly switching up your beliefs and going back and forth. And with these people, I'm, you know, changing my thoughts on. He's not saying that. He's talking about choosing a way to relate to people in which you can open up conversation. Don't be something you're not, but we can all connect with people on some level. You see, I'm not going to go out and get myself a sleeve of tattoos, even though as a teenager I was probably tempted. You know, my mom probably didn't like that idea. But I'm not going to do that in order to relate with people who have tattoos. I don't need to go to that kind of an extreme. You know, I don't need to switch careers. I don't need to, you don't need to switch your job in order to relate with someone who has a different job than you. Paul is not talking here about literal changes of identity, but rather he's talking about in how we choose to approach people. And Paul's method of evangelism was getting to know and taking an interest in people's lives. Craig Blumberg in the NIV application commentary, said it like this. He said, Paul's model far more closely approximates friendship evangelism. Coming alongside and getting to know unbelievers, valuing them as God's creation in his image and of themselves, and not just as potential objects of conversion. Then as we become familiar with each person's unique hopes and fears, we may contextualize the gospel in such a way as to speak most directly to those concerns. And so for Paul, it was like this. 
To the Jew, I'm concerned with understanding the Jews. To the Gentiles or those not having the law, I am relating to them as I understand a Gentile. To the weak, I will become weak and relate to them that way. Paul got to know and take an interest in people. And in our culture, if you want to minister to a neighbor, find out what they're into. Find out what their interests are. Uh, take an interest. Ask them what their hobbies are and familiar, familiarize yourself, perhaps, with these things so that, you can, you, so that you can engage them in a conversation that they'll actually be interested in. These are ways in which we care for people. We take an interest in their lives. Being all things to all people wasn't about being hypocritical. It wasn't about being two-faced. But it's more about getting alongside people and understanding them in a way that you can befriend them and remove any obstacles that might be there to share the gospel with them. This is about choosing to not start something in defense or in fight mode. Removing a barrier that is unnecessary and not a sin issue. So for Paul, Jewish practices are neutral and indifferent. He's not bound by them. As far as he's concerned, he respects them for the sole purpose of winning those who are under the law. When he's with Gentiles, he takes a different approach. He disregards Jewish practices or, or, or practices of the law. Not because he's lawless, but because he's under the law of Christ. To love God and to love his neighbor. When he's with the weak, he becomes weak in order to win the weak. If someone cannot eat a piece of meat that has been sacrificed to an idol, then he can pass on it. He doesn't need to eat it either. If he's with somebody who had a problem with alcohol, Paul would quickly pass on the wine for their sake. And he did it all. He did all these things with the goal that he might save some. And to some people, they, they see this and they think that this must have been an, inconsistently, an inconsistency in his life. But in reality, this was a consistent in Paul's life. As his purpose was to live for and to share the gospel of Jesus with other people. I like how William Barclay uh, talked about this in his commentary on the book of 1 Corinthians. He said this, he said, The man who can never see anything but his own point of view who is completely intolerant, who, who totally lacks the gift of sympathy, who never makes any attempt to understand the mind and heart of others, will never make a pastor or an evangelist or even a friend. And so here is what being all things to all people is not. We dare not apply his strategy of all things or all, to all people to issues of morality or immorality. Paul would never have said something like this. He would have never have said, to the thief I become like a thief, or to the adulterer I become like an adulterer. And on the other side of it, he would have never stopped practicing those virtues that are always right. For example, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. You see, becoming all things to all people, it wasn't this license to sin or to put yourself in situations where you were going to sin. This wasn't like, you know, just taking your opportunity to enter into situations that were going to be a bad place for you. You know, this wasn't a mindset of, well, that means I can go, you know, into strip clubs and start a ministry. 
I'm going to spend my days there, you know, becoming like the folks there. That's what Paul meant. That's not what the Apostle Paul meant. Besides, you've been at this for six months now, and not one person's been saved. I'm starting to question your motives. You see, Paul is saying that he is sensitive to the cultural hang-ups of those to whom he ministers to, and that he values people far more than any cultural baggage that we can carry or fight for. He'd rather fight for the salvation of other people. He practices what has come to be called the contextualization of the gospel, changing the forms of the message precisely in order to preserve its content. And so what being all things to all people is not is we dare not apply the Apostle Paul strategy of all things to all people to issues of morality or immorality. Paul would never have said something like, to the thief I become like a thief, or to the adulterer I become like an adulterer. And on the other side, he would have never stopped practicing those virtues that are always right. For example, the fruit of the Spirit Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You see, this was not a license to sin or to put yourself into bad situations where you might sin. You know, this wasn't a mindset of, well, you know, that means I can go to strip clubs and start a ministry. I'm going to go there, and I'm going to hang out, and I'm going to become like them. That's not what the Apostle Paul meant here when he was talking about this. Besides, you've been doing this for six months now, and I haven't seen one person get saved. I'm starting to question your motives, right? Paul is saying that he is sensitive to the cultural hang-ups of those to whom he ministers to, and that he values people far more than any cultural baggage that we could ever fight for. In fact, what he'd rather fight for is for the salvation of other people. And he practices what has come to be known as the contextualization of the gospel, changing perhaps the forms of the message precisely in order to preserve its content. Changing the methods, but not the message in and of itself. In living this way, Christianity stands the best chance at being understood and accepted. I remember in college, I took a class on cross-cultural communication, a class that uh, focused on missions across the world and to different cultures. And one of the great mistakes that missionaries had made early on, and this is what we were learning about in class, was trying to impose their culture, and in this case, Canadian culture, on those to whom they preached the gospel to. And we studied stories and we heard words of regret from people who had gone overseas and done this work that in the end, what should have been done was that those who minister cross-culturally are best to learn that culture and adapt the forms of their ministry to that culture. Not changing the message, but in fact preserving its content. You see, the idea should never have been to go around the world and make more Canadians. All cultures are beautiful. And there's beauty in these cultures in new places that we go to. We don't need to go around making more people like us, but we need more people to hear the message of Jesus and the message of his kingdom. And sadly, I think what happens sometimes even in our country is as Christians of many eras, you know, we've tended to become more sensitive, if I could say it like this, 
to the legalism of fellow church members. People whose prejudices have been irritated, as Pastor Jerry mentioned a couple weeks ago. And we've too quickly censored contemporary social customs. Thus, we alienate ourselves from the very people whom we're trying to reach with the gospel message. And when we're always on the defensive, and when we come to people with our own agendas, we often miss an opportunity to influence people for Jesus. I don't know about you, but have you ever met someone who was argued to Jesus? Have you ever met someone who was berated and yelled at? Have you ever met someone who was like, you know, I was wearing this t-shirt with profanity on it, and this intense Christian just approached me, and they came at me, and they were yelling at me, and they were berating me, and they gave me the lecture of lectures, and wow, could they ever argue great. I mean, they could argue so well. And I just stopped while they were yelling at me and calling me names. And I just stopped and I said to them, well, how can I be like you? How can I be like that? You ever hear anybody whose story was that? You know, I, I, don't, think, I don't think I've heard that story very often. You see, nobody's ever like, you know, I was on Facebook sharing my political agenda and, uh, you know, like 20 people, I think they were Christians, just blew me up in the comments. They just blasted me. And suddenly I just had this inner peace come over my life. And I thought, I need to accept what they believe. I need to accept their message. You know, I don't know many people whose story is like that. I've never met anyone who's told me that. But what does happen, like in my case and in my experience, is that I had a Christian who befriended me and came to hang out with me when I was at a low point in my life. I was in a tough spot. And he didn't bring an agenda to the table. He didn't come over and start reciting the four spiritual laws to me. He didn't give me a hard time because of my music collection, because my favorite band was probably Tool. You know, he didn't grab my pack of cigarettes and constantly put little pamphlets in them, right? So that when I'd come out of the washroom and grab it, I would see, you know, what smoking's doing to my body and how bad it is for me. He didn't do that. He didn't go out of his way to point out my wrongs. But he simply loved me, and took an interest in my life. And before you know it, I went with him to church. He invited me out, and I went with him. And I likely went in the beginning simply because I just wanted to hang out with my new friend. Just wanted to hang out with him. Now, don't get me wrong. Eventually, I had to deal with some stuff in my life, no doubt, after becoming a Christian. But the difference then was that I had the Holy Spirit living in me to convict me and to lead me into all truth. But my good friend, Dean, he met me on common ground. And here I am today, able to share with you. And sometimes I think the best thing that we can do as Christians, the best thing we can do, especially in our culture, is delete that comment that we want to leave on someone's controversial thread. Sometimes, you know, the best thing we can do is to reserve our opinion in a chat that can get very heated. Sometimes the best thing that we can do is simply take our shoes off and not insist on our rights and not insist on our freedoms. And some people might bring the, the, the accusation to me. So you, are, are, are you denying Christ? No, I'm not denying Christ. 
This is not about denying Christ. This is about denying ourselves in order that others might know Christ. And for Jesus' sake, I want to deny myself. You see, often when I get on an agenda, sometimes when I get on a tangent, what I find is that there's a lot of my personal sake in that. There's a lot of me in that. But for the sake of Jesus and for the sake of the gospel going forward, I can deny myself. I lay down my rights. I restrict my freedoms for a moment and simply love another person. Because Jesus loved them so much that he laid down his rights. He restricted his freedom. And he died on a cross so that they might know freedom in him. Last week in the life lesson, I brought up Jonah, the prophet in my life lesson. And I talked about Jonah's attitude when he was trying to run away from God. And he was sitting on a boat and a storm was raging. And everyone's crying out to their God. And, he, and, and you know, they're trying to get some help because... Things are not looking good for them on the boat that day. And Jonah's down below just taking a nap, sleeping, doing his own thing. And he was stubborn, and he was angry, and he was arguing with God. You see, Jonah's attitude about the nation that God wanted him to go and preach to was that I'm wrong, and sorry, I'm right, and they're wrong. I'm right, they're wrong. And God, you said to punish the wicked, so punish Nineveh. And he had this thought that they should get what they deserve. And yet God was patient with Nineveh. And he allowed them, you know, just to live in their sin a little while longer because his heart for them was to turn back to him. And I think of a verse in 2 Peter 3, verse 9, that says that the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Patient not wanting anyone to perish, but that all would, would reach repentance. God told Jonah to go into Nineveh and preach his word to them, that they need to turn away from their wickedness, that they needed to turn back to him. And what did Jonah do? He just ran away from God. He ran away from such an idea. And eventually, if you keep reading in the book, eventually after being, you know, thrown into the sea, uh, swallowed by a fish, spending some time there, and then being forced to go preach in Nineveh, you know, sometimes, you know, it takes a little bit more for some, right? We're all different. But after finally going to share God's word with them, and they repent, Jonah, rather than being happy and being joyful and what had just happened, he's actually angry, and he's more mad at God after that. And he's upset that God could have mercy on people like that. People different than him. People whom he did not have the time of day for. And when we, when, when we examine an attitude like that, we need to ask ourselves the question as Christians, how many are grateful, as Second Peter mentions, that God is patient with you? Anyone? Because the truth is, God has been patient with us. But sometimes as Christians, we're not willing to be patient with the world. And we get annoyed and we get combative. And sometimes we put those things ahead of the command to love God and doing this by loving one another. And the Apostle Paul is saying that the most important thing I can do is deliver the message of Jesus to others. And so I will do whatever it takes to make that happen. Short of sin, of course. 
but I will leave my opinions. I will leave my judgments at the door sometimes in order to share the message with people, right? And so if I have to give up bacon with my breakfast, then fair enough, I'll do it. If I have to take off my suit and wear street clothes, you know, with these folks, and so be it. If I had to sit with a New England Patriots fan and tell them all day that I'm good with the Patriots, I would do it if I had to, if it meant they would get saved. Just got real here, eh, for sports fans. You know, I was going to use the I was going to use the idea about Saskatchewan Rough Rider fans, but I didn't want to lose my Manitoba folk here at this point in the talk. And maybe not all day, but that's a silly example. But Paul's attitude was such that what mattered most to him wasn't his rights. It wasn't his freedoms. It wasn't his opinions. It wasn't his preferences. But he cared about people. He cared about them so much that he wanted to look past any barrier and adapt in any way short of sin so that they would hear the message of Jesus because the message of Jesus is for everyone. It's one of our family values here at Soul Sanctuary. The message of Jesus is for everyone. And so he laid down his rights. He restricted his freedoms at times for their benefit, for the benefit of the kingdom. And he did what it took to lead people to Jesus. And what would that look like for you and for me today? What are some of the things that we perhaps hold too tightly to? That if we're honest with ourselves, it actually gets in the way of sharing the message of Jesus with others and loving them. Do we ever insist that people need to think a certain way? Do we ever insist that people need to have the same political opinions as us before we can minister to them? I sure hope not. Do we ever perhaps write people off because we think, act, and look different than they do? And getting to know people who think, act, and look different than you has its challenges, no doubt. At times it can be difficult. But at the end of the day, friends, it is so worth it. And for the Apostle Paul, that's what governed his life. This need, this desire to share Jesus with everyone all around him. And he could say, I have become all things to all people so that by all possible means I might save some. Doing it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. I like how N.T. Wright in his commentary talks about how this isn't about trimming down the message or trying to clean up the message. You see, in his commentary, he suggests that this isn't about trimming down the message. This isn't, a, but it's rather, it's about trimming down oneself. Swallowing our pride, giving up our rights, preferences, and sometimes personal opinions. And we lay down our liberties in order to reach others, those who are different than we are. And the longer that we insist that someone has to look like me, talk like me, vote like me, act like me, support the same things I support, etc., in order to share the gospel with them is the moment that we recognize that we have made ourselves, we've made our rights, we've made our freedoms more important than the message of Jesus. The message of Jesus, which is for 
everyone. And the Apostle Paul's whole mission was to win as many as possible. He had no, no, no issue with him laying things down. Because all that mattered to him was that people could hear the message of Jesus and be saved. And my only thought as we conclude here today is may we follow his example, church. May the words of Scripture today remind you of how much God loves you. Of how much God has been patient with you. How, how patient he's been with me. And in turn, in how much we need to reach out to others because we've been blessed with this message. We've been entrusted with it. And the message of Jesus is for everyone. And so what things or what preferences do we perhaps need to loosen our grip on? Things that are not sin issues to, in order to, to, to learn about others, to befriend others, and share the message of Jesus with them. Who is within your sphere of influence that you can reach out to today and this week. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word today. And I thank you for the Apostle Paul's example, Lord. I'm just always looking to others, always looking to the benefit of others, always looking to love you and love other people. Lord, would you speak to our hearts this morning? If there are things that we've held too tightly to, if we've been those kind of people who hold too strongly to our rights and freedoms, would you speak to our hearts? And would you show us areas, Lord God, where we would do well to lay these things down? But more than anything, God, I pray for each person listening that you would increase our passion for you and sharing you with other people. Lord, give us a passion to share the gospel and help us, God, do it in ways in which people can understand. And so, Lord, empower us today. Strengthen us. Bless each person watching. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, church family, I'm going to leave you this morning with a blessing, and here it is. Soul Sanctuary family, go today in the confidence of God's love, which is for you and for your neighbor. Learn to adapt and love, changed by the grace of the Father, motivated by the love of Jesus, and empowered with help by the Holy Spirit. Go out and love others this week. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us. And join us Wednesday evening for another story. Have a good long weekend.